Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. known fact about my guest today, as a younger person, she was obsessed with One Direction and how her passion for that band led her to becoming one of the leaders in the Broadway marketing space. And now a digital nomad is much more linear than you might think. Welcome, Michaela Brewster, to the podcast. A-okay. Hey everyone, my guest today is Michaela Brewster. Michaela is a freelance social media manager who oversees the digital presence of brands within the world of culture and art. Formerly, she was an account manager at Marathon Digital, a social media agency that represents Broadway shows and live entertainment clients in New York City and around the globe. While there, she led innovative social media campaigns for shows like Hamilton, Town, Be More Chill, and Freestyle Love Supreme, among others. Previously, she has worked at media and entertainment companies such as The Skim and Paramount Pictures. She is currently social media strategy consultant for the Broadway Podcast Network, among any other thing, many other things. Um, but welcome, my dear friend, Michaela, to the podcast. I am so happy you are here. Oh, I'm absolutely overjoyed. I when when you first reached out, I was like, me? Yes. Little old me? Oh my gosh, such an honor. <laughs> yes, you, because I've had the honor of meeting you, you know, when I read the Broadway shows that you worked on, there was there was so much crossover going on for us at different times, especially around the Be More Chill uh, moment of Broadway history. Um, where I felt really invested in helping uh, the audiences for that show grow because it meant so much to me and my family and getting to do stuff with you um, in order to help promote it was really, really thrilling. I, I, I want to start off by letting listeners know that the thing that's been really amazing is Michaela, who's so 
incredibly brilliant at what she does, has been doing it from all over the world. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I suddenly noticed that every time I looked at my social media feed, you were posting a picture from some gloriously beautiful place on the planet <laughs> and getting work done at the same time. So I want to share your talent and kind of um, employment history with guests because it's so inspiring to me about how you took a passion and have made it into a career. But I also want to talk about how you took your passion and love for travel and adventure and allowed yourself to continue to do what you do professionally and feed your nomadic soul um, <laughs> emotionally. So tell me how the where is Michaela Brewster now, as I call it, <laughs> hashtag, how did that begin for you? The well, last couple of years. Well, first off, I'm going to turn that into an actual hashtag. I love that. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically I, um, I absolutely loved my job at Marathon Digital. I was, I felt like I was living the dream every day, getting to work on, um, you know, some of the, the biggest, like, you know, coolest shows on Broadway. Yeah. And, um, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, I think a lot of us were kind of like reassessing things and kind of trying to figure out, you know, what, what, what pivots we might want to make. And so for me, I was like, you know, I have my dream job. I've, I've, I've lived through a, a good number of years doing this. Um, and so it wasn't really a question of like, oh, am I not happy? Like, do I want to move like from right. that? It was more of like, do I have another dream? Is there another dream that I kind of want to, um, want to pursue? And so I, I did this exercise of like writing in my journal and I was like, okay, this is, you know, here are all the things that I really love about my current life and, you know, my life in New York and all these things. And then I, you know, the other part of the exercise was like, if I were right now to completely change, you know, aspects of my life, what would the new dream kind of look like? And so right. for a few months, I kind of sat with that. And, and it's basically what, um, what you described now of continuing to do social media work and, um, but doing it from, you know, wherever in the globe and being a, a digital nomad. Um, but I think like one, one fear of mine was kind of like, you know, part of the dream has been getting to work on such cool projects and being a part of the theater industry. And obviously, you know, bro the Broadway industry is very centric to New York. And so not being yeah. there, there was a, there was a big uh, kind of processing moment where I was like, you know, I understand that me going off and doing this, this travel thing might mean that I'm not going to be a part really, actually, I was like, I'm not going to be a part of the Broadway industry anymore. And, and okay, that's fine. And I was processing through that. Um, but what I what's been amazing is that I'm, I still get to be a part of it, you know, like I still feel very much a part of especially, you know, um, now getting to work with the Broadway Podcast Network, I feel even more, you know, back in it. And, um, you know, I, there have been some more clients recently that I've gotten that have been, you know, working with people that I've worked with before that I, you know, interacted with at Marathon. And so that's been, um, you know, a, a real surprise to me was because I kind of thought, I was kind of mourning, you know, that, that aspect of my life before, but, um, but it ended up getting to be a part of my, my new life too. That was wonderful. So the anxiety of letting go of that, if you leave, physically leave New York city, the, the right. heartbeat of Broadway, um, right. that hasn't actually come to pass in the way that you thought it would. Yeah. I, I kind of thought like, um, you know, one of my first clients of me being a freelancer on my own was, um, uh, UC Berkeley has a, an art museum and a, a film archive. And so I was working with them. So I was like, okay, you know, I can still work in culture and arts and some of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I was like, I'm 
realistically, I am not in New York. And so working on a Broadway show like I was before, you know, I wasn't going to be able to that be able to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of being that I, I can be a very dramatic and like over over, you know, um, I can kind of take things a little further than I actually, you know, needed to. Yeah. Right. So right. in my head, I was like, theater will no longer be a part of my life and so I think that was more of what I was mourning but then it was like it became very clear from the beginning that I it couldn't not be a part of, of exactly my life my career, so, yeah. you know when I read some of the shows you know so can you just talk a little bit about for because not everyone knows what is marathon digital what does it mean to be doing the kind of stuff you did when you were there so what are the sorts of things when you were there that you were doing? I mentioned like the hottest shows on Broadway at the time. So you came in at just like this really magical moment. If you're going to be doing social media for Broadway, let's look at Hamilton, right? Okay. That that was sort of brought how you can use social media to a whole new level um, for a Broadway show. Uh, Be More Chill, another example of how that had a very young audience and they were sort of, you know, teaching us how to use social media (laughs) for communicating. Um, You two are a young person, so you are of a generation who grew up using it and understands it and intuits it. So maybe just starting with Marathon's relationship to Hamilton, because that is a brand that people know globally, even if they're new to this podcast, they'll have heard of Hamilton. So can you talk a little bit about the experience of what it is to do social media and branding content for a show like Hamilton? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an absolute dream come true. I, um, my first uh, moment with Marathon was an internship the summer of 2016. So it was like, I jumped right in with like Hamilton, the Tony Awards and um, got to also the other unique part of it was that Marathon um, it was a very like a relatively new company within the landscape of, of theater marketing at that time mm-hmm. and so I I think I was you know of kind of the team that ended up um, you know that a lot of them are still there today I think I was the the third employee or second employee uh, of Marathon Digital so the other piece was that I was a very young person right out of college who got to not only be working on this huge show it's just a phenomenon but also got to do it in such an environment that was so small and where there was no like there were there were no other people to hide behind you know it was like I had to jump in and and um do the work or figure it out if I didn't know how to do the work and some of that kind of stuff so I mean like I some of my favorite things that I got to do is like um coming up with like a concept for a content shoot for social media because I think that was one thing that with Hamilton we really got to explore is like how can we kind of take social media, you know, when we're running an account for a show and we've, you know, run it for three years or whatever, it's like, okay, how can we shake things up and make it a little different so that, um, you know, things don't feel stale on, on the accounts. And so one of those ideas that we had was to, to start to do content shoots. And so I got to, um, I'd never planned one before, but, you know, figured out talking with company management about like timing of things. Um, you know, talking to the photographers and stuff that we had hired and um, creating a whole schedule and coordinating with actors and all of that kind of stuff. And I look back and I was like, I was, I don't know, 20, 23, <laughs> you know, like just, just trying to like figure it out and, and it worked out really well. And we, we, you know, continue to do those sorts of things. So that's like one example of like, you know, a project where I really got to like 
um, kind of spearhead things, even though I was pretty young and, and new in my career. So that was really unique. You know, so often when you hear the word intern, um, in a movie version of it, the intern is like running and getting coffee and dropping <laughs> things off, you know, like like a messenger service and not getting to do a lot of the glamorous things. And then like in the kind of hero moment of the movie, they like figure out like and say, can I just <laughs> say one thing? And it's the thing that like, you know, solves the whole problem, or, <laughs> right. you know. So when you're an intern, um, how do you figure out or how did you figure out how to actually do what you do rather than just always be in support of other people getting to do the thing that you want to do? Sort of how does one balance that? It sounds like being in a smaller environment allowed for more input from mm -hmm. younger staff or newer people joining the company. Was it encouraged? Were you given real jobs or just kind of assist um, responsibility? Sort of how does that work? Yeah, no, I, and it's funny because later I had an internship where it was very like, go get coffee, go do this one little task. And I was very thrown off because I was so used to the entire summer where it wasn't, it wasn't even like, um, where, where Mike, my, my boss was like, oh, I'd like your input. It was more of like, we are the team and we need your input. You know, it wasn't, uh, again, there were there weren't other employees to kind of hide behind. It was there were you know it was the three or four of us it, it, four of us in the room, um, and so yeah, like I um, like I remember pretty much almost like day one, you know, being sent to go capture things at the theater. I got to um, I was in charge of the Snapchat for Hambrahams back back in the day, and so like that was I think one of my first days I got to do that. So I'm like live posting on this account that I've been like following and like been obsessed with. Um, and, you know, like in brainstorms, you know, like, you know, we were all coming up with the ideas. I definitely jumped right in on like even things like Photoshop and stuff where like I didn't know how to use it before. But because the team was so small and at that point um, when we first started, just one of the other interns was graphic designer, but we still needed um, some more support so I even had you know I was googling you know how how to do anything on photoshop and so it was it was really a you know like jump in dive in head first and, and kind of figure it out situation which I ended up really really loving so in terms of like your relationship to knowing how to do what you do to even have gotten hired as an intern at the time for like this very hot up and coming social media you know, branding, Broadway marketing company that now it's funny to think of it as new because now they're so right. um, immersed in, in the landscape of Broadway. But um, where did your sort of marriage of love of the arts and love of figuring out how to use the internet to get the message out <laughs> about the thing you love? Like, how did that all grow for you? And what is your relationship to theater? And and where did you grow up? And just tell me a little bit about you and how the path you lived led you to the convergence of all these things. Yeah, yeah. Even even today, as I, I, I've now been a part of the Broadway industry for a while, but sometimes I kind of, as I meet new people, I kind of sometimes have to remind them when maybe I don't know a, a huge Broadway star that like everyone else maybe knew, um, you know, there, there are kind of gaps in, in my knowledge because I do come from the social media and marketing space and kind of learned Broadway. I, I um, 
you know, in high school um, and in middle school, I, I was a part of like theater classes and I would do productions in, like my local um, like theater community theater. Um, but I wouldn't say that any of my theater classmates at that time would have thought that I was going to be at all involved in theater because it was more of just something that I really, I don't know, there, there are Broadway fanatics um, and I just wasn't one at the, at the time. I was more just, I, I just wanted to act. Um, and so I really, my, my entrance um, to, to social media and really fandom marketing, which is a, an area of social media that I've really realized is, is where my heart lies. Um, actually came from, from my uh, days of being a big, big, big One Direction fan. Um, I was like very, very deeply involved in, in the direction or community as embarrassed as I am to not admit that. No, I'm not embarrassed. That's fine. They're great. Um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just remember like soaking up every bit of content that I could get on YouTube of them or, and that would be professional videos that they did, but also understanding how the ecosystem worked of fans creating content and how that kind of fuels the, the obsession too, you know? And so I remember I'd just be on, I made a separate Twitter account for my One Direction stuff. And I'd like, I remember I'd scroll through every single tweet and just like consume it all. And so I think that was really where hands-on, I, I learned like even what made me tick, like, you know, what would make me want to participate in something? What would make me you know, feel more attached to this. And so I, I kind of learned that through myself. And then, um, and then later in college figured out that social media, you know, was an actual like job, you know, that I, I could pursue. And so um, it was my sophomore year, it was when I was like, okay, social media, you know, that this is, this is it for me. And then um, it wasn't until um, I had actually gotten an internship in New York already for, for that summer. Um, but I, and I'd spent an entire year like campaigning to try and get this internship at the skim, um, and then finally got it and found out that it was just a part-time internship. And so I was like, I'm coming all the way from California. If that's where I'm from, so Northern California. Um, I'm coming all the way from the Bay area. I'm going to be in New York for the whole summer. I don't know anybody. And like three, you know, four days out of the week, I've got nothing to do. So I was like, you know, maybe there's something a little more specific to social media that I could do. Cause I knew that internship would be a little more general. Um, and, um, I somehow got it in my head. I wish that I could remember, but I was like, oh, maybe I could help Broadway shows. Um, and so I had just been in New York, um, earlier that year and I'd seen something rotten, loved their social media, thought that they were really like, um, unique and innovative with the content they were doing. Um, and I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'd answer me. And so I, I wrote a message on Facebook, um, and I, I explained, you know, I'd seen the show. I loved it. I thought that they were doing a really good job with their marketing strategies. Um, and I was coming to, you know, to the, the city for the summer for a different internship, but was looking for something else. And, you know, could they use any extra help? Um, and so I sent that off and I was like, you know, I, I, I have the message already kind of pre-written. Um, and I feel the same way about Hamilton's accounts. And obviously they're never going to read this message, but I might as well, you know, shoot my shot. And so I ended up sending Facebook, like the official Facebook, or the official Hamilton Facebook account, um, a Facebook message, um, you know, kind of outlining all those things. And the next day, luckily through all of the, the mess that that inbox was, because then later I was in it and realized there's a lot of crazy messages in there. But 
somehow um, my boss saw my my message and didn't think I was one of the crazy people and scheduled an interview with me in the next few days and then within yeah a few weeks I was then in, in marathons offices for the summer so and then it was that summer was like a deep dive obviously into theater because I had really just known more recent more recent productions but um I remember leaving that summer and one piece of advice that my my boss Mike had given me was, you know, just learn more about, about theater and, and, you know, and so I made a spreadsheet. <laughs> like I was like, okay, this week we're, we're going to watch Rent <laughs> and we're going to listen to the set, you know, and I kind of just like went through um, and, and just kind of tried to learn that way. Um, so yeah, I like to say I'm kind of a, an implant into the Broadway community, um, but um, yeah, I, I can't imagine a, a better place to have had my um my career be able to to develop because again in the, in the same way Broadway you know I love entertainment and Broadway is just a smaller community you know than than film or tv um and that was kind of the direction I maybe thought that I would go but I'm so so grateful for um you know the the tight-knit of 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 Broadway um because I just think that's really allowed for me to have so many amazing opportunities meet so many people and and really feel a part of it too you know I want to go back to um the one direction <laughs> of it all because I think it is so amazing how this idea of fandom you know when I was growing up there weren't larger communities that you could find online for the thing that you loved, whatever it is, right? Like there were, you could buy magazines that like, like fan magazines, <laughs> or you would meet friends in your own community and start like clubs in your high school. And you would write letters to the people you admired. And if you got a letter back, it was like, unbelievable. Like, oh my God, Julie Andrews wrote me back or whoever it was. Um, so you're living in Northern California and you hear a song like how does one direction come <laughs> into your life and did you ever try to work for them um <laughs> as as a young person and like in an official capacity I'm sure you reached out to band members like what <laughs> what was that for you and did it ever cross over from did you ever have a real interaction with anyone as you went along in life from the band Oh no, I did. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> so yes. So I, my, my, that's a good question how I first got into One Direction. I think um, it was probably my, my friend Chrissy. Um, I'm guessing she probably introduced me to them because we were actually just together a few days ago and we're like, we should go watch all the old One Direction videos that we used to watch together. So embarrassingly, I've, I've just watched them all recently, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I, um, yeah, and then from there, it was just kind of, you know, the rabbit hole I was talking about of just content and, and becoming more and more, um, more obsessed. But yeah, I, I did, I did meet Harry Styles at one point. That was a very, very big deal for me, obviously. Um, but How did yeah, that happen? I, that was like, um, uh, like I, it was a fan, but like, uh, I got to meet him and it was a big At an event. Fans. Yeah, it was, it okay. was, um, it wasn't like a, a meet and greet or anything, but it was like a, a big, big, big crowd. So it wasn't a special one-on-one -on -one moment. He didn't offer me a job or anything, but I felt in his heart, you know, he wanted to. So, <laughs> Well, to that end, like now that you are this incredibly established, respected uh, social media guru, um, <laughs> what, what would it be like? Is that a fantasy job? If you ran Harry Styles social media accounts, um, would that be is that it 
That's the dream. <laughs> You've identified the dream. It's all of I it. If I looked at your manifestation notebook, actually, really, my Manuel Miranda, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? No, yeah. Harry Styles been the goal. Really, oh, the dream would be if Harry Styles was in a in a Broadway show, and then I got to run. That would be amazing. No, I mean, you know, I think it's funny with social. Um, you know, sometimes um, being that close to something that you love so much can, can also be hard. Like there, there, there are times when I'm just exhausted from the job of social media, you know, it's 24 hours. It's also you're, you're kind of the internet's like wastebasket of just like opinions, you know? And so, and the other piece of that is that you have to kind of take everything both with a grain of salt, but also very seriously, because anything could pivot on social media very quickly. And you're kind of the pulse there. And so, um, you know, I think there, there are lots of moments where I'm like, you know, getting to work on these things that I love so much. is so amazing. Then there are also moments where I'm like, Oh, I wonder like, you know, if I were just a fan of something like how my relationship might be a little different just because of some of the frustrations that come with just social media in general, which anyone can relate to even on a personal level. So, um, yeah. What is social media to you? You know, I think for me, it's all about connection. I think like something that I really care about when I'm crafting a social strategy is remembering like what social media was originally, because I think that right now, you know, people are complaining all the time of how, you know, who are all these random people in my feed? I don't see my friends' photos anymore. Like we've kind of moved um to where, you know, a lot of the times when I scroll through, I see more influencer content or um, brand content than I see of my, of my friends' things. And so I, I think that um, remembering the origins of social media, that it was a way for us to connect like human to human, but, but digitally, anytime that I can kind of go back to that and, and integrate that into strategy, I find that to be, um, yeah, even just, um, nice for me as 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 a a fan of social like I love social media I really I think it's an amazing platform to use because everyone has these free tools and everyone has pretty much you know the same access but the way that everyone uses it is so different and can be so creative and so I just love that it's this blank slate and you kind of figure out what those connections you know uh, should be based off of who you are and what you're representing okay so to go back to this moment where you're like, I've had an incredible run at this company. By the way, the scam, it's funny, even circling back to that, like I remember when that came out and that was such a way to feel smart all day without like (laughs) reading a newspaper cover to cover. Yes, yes. I will absolutely talk about international relations with you. The Senate, I know how that works. (laughs) Obviously. yeah, so it, I, I have forgotten about the skin, but like that was such a also cultural moment at, you know, certainly in the US, I don't know what their what their presence was like globally, but I remember when that was a thing my friends and I were talking about and referencing, and that was a daily check-in that we sort of all did um, with the skin. Uh, there's other things like that, that I I want to kind of call back what those things were. Um, there was something daily candy. Do you remember oh, that? No, I don't think I know. Yeah, that was probably before your time, but that was also like um, the beginning of like influencer uh, platforms where you would kind of see like what's the hot, you know, what's the hot 
thing in each lane, basically the different things that you care about. Um, When you decide to leave Marathon um, and think about this idea of travel, um, I don't know if they went hand in hand at the time. I don't know if it was like, okay, I just left this job. I'm going to take a trip and... (laughs) Right. And then on that trip, you were working and you're like, oh, look, I can take a trip and freelance. Like, how did this sort of really like you, first of all, where are all the different places you've landed? I know Ireland, you're in Mm -hmm. Spain now, back in California, occasionally popping into New York. Where else did you kind of Airbnb and deeply experience a new place? Yeah. um, Let's see. I spent about a month in Scotland. I was in Edinburgh and then also me and my friend were in the Highlands for a bit, which is amazing. Um, yeah, let's see. I was in Romania for a week. I was, um, I in London. Um, you know, I, I found it difficult to go too much further in time zones just because, um, you know, I do try, I, social media is already a 24 hour gig, but then also, um, you know, just even meeting times or whatever, you know, with my clients wanting to be online when they're online. Um, so I, I don't go too much further than Europe, but, you know, I, I was working from Greece. So I was working from Croatia. Um, I worked for Mexico City for a month. Um, so yeah, it's it's been um, mostly Europe, but no, I it would have made sense to, you know, <laughs> to go on a trip and test it out um, first. But I, I think because, um because of the pandemic and because everyone was so used to moving virtually and when I was gearing up um, and kind of figuring out some of the logistics of this a lot of the conversations even as I was maybe talking to a potential client and wanting to be very upfront about you know I have these intentions of 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 going abroad and you know I, I plan to be online during these times and blah 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 but just you know I want to be upfront about that um a lot of them they were like oh that's not an issue at all like it was something that they were very fine with because um, at that time they, they weren't going to be in person or some, some companies were even like, well, we'll, we'll never be in person. Our, our team is always remote. So that's fine. Um, so I have actually found it not to be too much of an issue, luckily. Um, and I think part of it is just because I, I do have a very, um, detail oriented brain and I do like to have all my ducks in a row and kind of understand things first. And so I think it helped that I, had thought through, you know, what will my days look like? What will my schedule be like? How can I kind of marry these two worlds um, and kind of kind of get the best from both of them? Um, and so I think my preparedness and some of those answers maybe helps people feel a little more comfortable about it combined with um, with the fact that everyone is virtual at, at that point anyway. Because I was, so I you- was, you know, oh yeah, I was gonna say I was gearing up to um, to travel, but I couldn't travel for a while, right? So I had this plan in my head but it, um, you know, I, I obviously had to wait until travel restrictions and all these things, um, you know, had passed. That's what I wanted to ask you. So this plan was in place in your mind and heart before (laughs) March, 2020, before the pandemic hit. You know, it wasn't, uh, no, I wouldn't say I was, I was planning a pivot at that point. I I did know that at one point, uh, I knew that New York wasn't going to be where I was going to live forever. Um, I figured that California, I wanted to move back to California. Um, right. And so I, I knew that probably, you know, in 2020, I think I knew that in the next two to three years, I would probably move away. So that was another factor where I was like, you know, 
especially as the months and years went on, I was like, you know, I don't want to wait around and, you know, then go back to New York, feel like maybe I have to restart. I have to go, you know, like get all my things and then really only have a year, you know, before I'm turning back around and trying to move. So I was also kind of thinking logistically of like, how much time do I have and where do I want to spend it before? And so um, I, I had heard of a, a program called Work Away, and that had always kind of been in the back of my, my head. That's a, a company where you can kind of um, go anywhere in the world and live there for free so that you can, um, and then you'll do work for them. And so I'd always kind of had that in the back of my head of like, you know, if, if <laughs> something happens and I suddenly, you know, want to go and have a quarter life crisis, you know, that might be what I, what I do. Right, so right. that was in the back of my head, but it, there were no concrete plans to actually do anything until um, I even, I was starting to think about it um, a few months into to quarantine, um, but really sat with it for a long time because I knew it'd be a big, a big change. And so have you had, um, do you feel now that you are continuing on this path that this is what you will always do? Or do you see this as like, okay, I'm young. This is my moment to kind of <laughs> see the world. And then at some point I will go back to California. Like, what are you thinking? Great questions. Great questions. <laughs> well, your parents called me and they wanted me to I ask know. you. <laughs> I was like, this, they find out on a podcast that I've come up with a decision. This will be upsetting <laughs> to them. But um, no, I mean, the truth is the... I always said, you know, I'll kind of take this year by year and I'll figure out what, what I want to do during that year. So the, the, the first year is like, I know, um, I want to spend a few weeks to a month in each place because, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't want, I knew that traveling around constantly would be tiring. But then during that first year, I realized that even a month when you're working full time is not really enough to go and, you know, I'd have friends be like, here are all these things you need to go see in the city. I love this so much. I hope you, you know, have all these experiences. Um, and I would leave sometimes and be like, I barely got through, you know, the, right. the first few items on the list. Right. Um, and so I, I realized that being a, the term slow mad um, is maybe a little bit more my speed of picking a, kind of um, a few months at a time to, to be in a, in a place. And so that was kind of where I, where my mind was headed when I was entering year two of like, I just kind of want to slow down a bit and experience the places. Um, but now, I mean, I, I do hope to get a visa in, in Spain, um, and, and kind of be planted a little bit more here and, and have, um, have this be my, um, my home base, um, instead of California where it currently is. Um, and, and then be able to do some of the traveling from there, but, but kind of, um, yeah, be in, be in Spain. And so, um, that, that was, uh, a more recent revelation that they don't have a digital nomad visa yet, but they will be releasing it in early 2023. So I'm just kind of waiting around for that and, uh, bounce, bouncing wow. back and forth now while I can, but yeah, it's, I mean, the, the best part for me are the, the personal connections that, that I've been able to make in these places. And the fact that I can, I can go to Dublin and like immediately, like I have friends there and I can kind of fall into a social scene there and then I'll go to Spain and I have that there too. And I'll go to New York. And I, so I find that to be probably one of the most rewarding things that is also very difficult to, you know, to, to get to that point that doesn't just happen overnight. 
there have been lots of of times where um especially I remember in like the early days of Mexico City when I was there with no I didn't know anybody there um and so really just you know being alone and 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 learning to be okay with that and you know um definitely going through quarantine helped a lot with that as we all you know got used to to being by ourselves a lot more but um yeah it's it's been a wonderful exercise in like learning how to um how to like continue to make those connections um you know as adults because I think a lot of people talk about how it's hard to make make new friendships right as an adult so do you have sort of okay so sometimes friends come with you like people you've known (laughs) um I was wondering about that but but you're not doing this with one person consistently right um do you have advice like how do you meet people in in new places as an adult I know I know about dating apps. Are there friendship apps? Like how do you <laughs> Bumble does have Bumble BFF. So I don't I although I haven't tried it internationally. Okay. I did in my early days in New York. Like that was that was actually um one of one of my fears because I remember kind of my first my first year and a half in New York, I, I felt like I while even I had friends and I had social things to do, there were moments where I just kind of felt like, you know, um the close, close, like deep connections that, you know, I'm, I'm used to having, I didn't feel like I had that in, in New York. So then finally, you know, I, I, I fell into that and, and had my community and felt, felt a lot more comfortable there. And so a, a big part of, of leaving New York was then like, am I going to have to do that all over again? You know? Right. And so I do think it's different with being a digital nomad because <clears throat> it's a lot, um, it's a lot more surface level interactions that sometimes, you know, one or two or a few might, might turn into a a longer relationship. But um, yeah, I, I, I really relied on a site called Nomad List um, that has a community aspect. So there's, there are Slack channels for each country. And so other digital nomads um, will host meetups and stuff. So that was one thing I did in Mexico city and um, ended up meeting people who I hung out with the rest of my time there. And um, one girl I'm still in contact with and we, we still, um, you know, chat and keep up a bit. And so um, that's been really cool. But one thing that I noticed there that I'm not always good at, but there are some people who really have this skill and I really admire it in them is the, <clears throat> the ability to just kind of like put plans out there, just like off, you know, does anyone want to go get a drink? Does anyone want to go to this right. game? I was, I was going to do this. Does anyone want to join? That skill is something that I'm continually trying to work on. Um, but it's super, super important as a nomad, because if you just kind of wait around asking for someone to, to go hang out with you, you could, you could end up waiting forever. And so there was someone who I met in Mexico city who was really, really good at that. And I remember almost just like, <laughs> as I was being invited to things, just watching like how, how he would do it. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a skill. This is like how, how you're able to make connections, you know? Well, it's so funny because you are a social, social is in the title of what you do. Um, And, and yet how different it is when it's person to person versus, versus virtually, right? Like how do you take all those skills that you're so brilliant at professionally, which is building community, um, and then the meta of it all is that you're having to do that for yourself personally <laughs> in all these spaces. Like it's kind of incredible to see. It's a lot of social. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of social. <laughs> do you feel like you are, if you were to describe yourself, are you a shy person or are you an, like, like, how do you see yourself 
personally in that way? Yeah, I'm definitely a very outgoing person, but I think I, the reason why I was so amazed at, at this, this guy's skill to be able to do that is that I'm definitely someone who responds to requests who, you know, and then once I'm there, I'm the bubble, you know, I can talk yeah. to anybody, I'm good, but um, I, like, I'm not really one to go and initiate conversations with strangers, I'm not really one to, um, you know, do some of those sorts of things that a, a lot of nomads are like that naturally. Right. Um, and so there was a part of me that was nervous. That was like, you know, if this is not who you are, like, are, you know, is this going to be difficult? Is this going to be something that will exhaust you more? Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, it's funny how you even drew the connection between like social, social media and like, being social as, as a nomad. But I, I think there are some things that are even similar there where, you know, when you're kind of making a friend on social media, there's a lot of kind of like, like, I mean, a, a virtual friend, you know, someone that you've not talked to before. Right. It's funny because it kind of starts with like, you know, maybe you, you like one of their tweets or you, you know, respond to an Instagram story and it kind of starts a little slow, but then there's kind of this moment of like someone having a little bit more intention and responding to a story or saying, oh, I, I, you know, I did that. And it's fun to kind of watch those relationships evolve um, and see which ones kind of, you know, become actual like internet friends, you know, that I, you know, yeah. I've, I've got some of those that I've ended up being getting to meet and stuff over over the years um right. so in the same way you know it's kind of like some all these little interactions and little seeds that you might be putting out there as a nomad of you know going to a meetup and and hoping that you might um you know connect with someone there and make a new friend um but sometimes you don't and sometimes you do and then sometimes right. that will you know turn into something else so I think there are a lot of a lot of similarities you know everyone who is involved in social media in any way um, who who want to use the platform, not just for like personal relationships, but to grow the thing they're doing. There, There's an expression in our world called going viral, right? Like that <laughs> seems to be like, that's the goal. That's the success story. When you are someone sort of in charge of all of these brands and every one of them want to go viral in some way, um, is that something... I feel like you're going to really feel like I'm your mother right now. But is that, is that like, I'm so naive. Like I always look at things as like, oh, it, it's so pure. Like all of the things came together so like organically. And that's why it's so amazing that it happened. And the other people are like, no, Alana, there is so much that goes into, you know, like there, there's all of these ways in which you can sort of help the thing move the needle one way or the other. So does something go viral purely organically or does something go viral because someone has some code that I don't, will never know or understand that like explain going viral yes. and how do you do that for someone you're working with? Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I, I do think there's a mix of both. I, I think obviously there, there are moments where someone um, or a brand is not trying to have that effect, or maybe not as much of it. They might think this will do well, but they right. might not think it'll have that that reach. And right. sometimes, you know, it it is more constructed, and then and then it has the same effect. But then there's also the opposites of both of those situations where it's fully constructed, and then it flops, and nobody cares. And then times when you know you you're not thinking about a post, and then nothing also happens. You know, so right. so it's kind right. of like in in all of those are true. And I think my answer, whenever, whenever someone's like, you know, how, how can we go viral? How can we, you know, see more traction is 
um, you know, figuring out the things that work when you, when you do experience more success. So, you know, you can, you can go and look back at, you know, what are my top videos? Are there any lines that kind of connect where it's like, you know, this might be something that's stickier. This might be something that's catching people's attention. So trying to identify some of those sorts of things. Um, personally, also understanding the platform itself and how other people are using it. So, you know, on TikTok, for example, there are so many little tricks and things of like transitions or making sure the video loops perfectly or some of those sorts of things that can that can help encourage more views because they're just weird little social media tricks that that people right. know. Um, right. So so it's a mix of knowing who you are, knowing what the platform is, and then honestly just like luck and and guessing and um, I like to say throwing spaghetti at, at the wall and seeing what sticks because um, that's what social media is for me. It's it's a place to test things out, to try things out, to understand that some things will not work but to take those situations and then to say, okay, what didn't work about that? And how, how can we then pivot? And then in the good moment say, okay, what did work about that? And how, how can we continue to, to push that forward? Do you feel like at this point you have some tried and true posts or, or, or th- ideas about posting on all of the platforms that no matter who your client is, you're like, this is pretty successful. Like I can kind of guarantee you just these five things are already going to move what you're doing in front of more eyeballs. Is that like a thing that at this point you're like, okay, I know how to do this. I think um, I would say more in the camp of like tactics. Yes. Like, you know, there, there are things at this point where I know for a fact, and also probably anybody who who thinks about it for a minute could also understand that when you do a collaborative post on Instagram, you're now reaching two different audiences, you know, so it's like, that will obviously have more success than you just posting it, right? You know, right. some of those things that I was talking about of like in a TikTok video, like the, some of those little tricks that you notice and a lot of popular videos, you start to kind of like piece those together and go, okay, I know best practices on TikTok is going to be to, to fill the whole screen, to try to show a face because, and to try to make it as less produced and casual as possible, because that's how the app's being used. So it's more, it's more right. tactics like that, but right. I wouldn't say I've got like this content, you know, like a, you know, I don't know. A bag a, of tricks. A, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, and you know, I, I think that that's another thing that's really important to me is I, I really, I think that the best social media accounts are the ones that are so uniquely themselves and so uniquely like speak to the brand and where everything kind of connects back and 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 builds this picture of of who who the brand is and so I think in in that same way you know there might be some things like oh this kind of a con like I know that this especially when we're talking about Broadway fans, right? So in, in uh, you know, I, I can start to learn ecosystems and know, okay, this is how this type of a fan might respond, like a Be More Chill fan versus a, a Hadestown fan or a Hamilton fan. And, and they are different in my in my head and I understand how, how they might want to interact, how they might not want to interact. Um, and so I can kind of tailor content like that um, or strategies like that. Um, but I, I really do love approaching each client and each project as like a blank slate figuring out like okay what what content will will introduce uh you know when people are introduced to you they'll immediately understand like this is who I am and what I do it's so incredible to think about like each account as an individual right like <laughs> yeah. like as a as a one direction fan right like <laughs> 
I just love, 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 love. It must be so satisfying to you to see um, what's happened for Harry. Are you as invested in other band members and what they're doing now <laughs> as you are for him? Were you across the board fandom or really was it just for Harry? <laughs> so actually, I I always like within the One Direction world, you know, there's like Harry style, like Harry girls, like you know the the um big fans of his, and I was actually never one of them. I always picked the other members of the band, and I kind of rotated through them throughout the years. Um, but I, <laughs> but Harry was always he he was just like too perfect, too amazing. It was just like I I couldn't yeah. I think I just couldn't even um it too much to look It'd like that, much. to sound like it's that, to be funny like that, to it's love his mom like that. Yeah, it's all too it's much. not fair, Before. really. And so yeah. I was like, my my little my little heart just couldn't take it. So I was like, yeah. okay. But, but I I do absolutely have tickets to see him in London this summer. So I <laughs> I I you know let it be known. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just think it is so incredible. Um, I wonder, you know, you must really feel so like connected to what it is to be American and not in America and sort of, right, like traveling yeah. through the world, um, taking that with you where you go and and now taking on all of these other cultures and languages and um, it's just I, I admire you so much. I just really wish I could go on this adventure with you. It just sounds so incredible. And I wonder, do you think it's brave to do or do you not see it that way? Um, no, I think I do. I do because, and I see it that way only because I know how difficult there, you know, moments are for me. And I know yeah. there are plenty of times where I'm like, I didn't need to pick this like you know like I didn't for example right now I don't have any luggage <laughs> I arrived yesterday but they lost my bags and so it's like you know that's that's a um a struggle that if I didn't have that on top of you know I could have a normal day today where yes. I'm in my home we have your stuff have that out. <laughs> uh, yeah you have your things yeah I, that's another reality I could have been living in um or you know or you know the moments where I'm feeling lonely or I'm feeling uncomfortable or any of those sorts of moments. And so I think because I'm in my head and I know how many of those moments sometimes come up, um, I, I do, I do think um, it's, it's a brave thing to go out and, and try to, you know, also kind of create uh, your life the, the way that you want it to be and have to keep recreating it everywhere you go. Um, yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, it's so fun that I'm also like, <laughs> what, what else would I want to be doing after experiencing this? So, um, you know, at the same time, well, I, I understand how, um, uh, how challenging it can be, but the, the payoff for me also then makes it like, you know, calling it brave feels a little silly when it's like, you're running around, you're running around like Spain and having, having a fun time eating delicious right. food and like people, you know, that's, that's just wonderful. So I think, I think it's a, a bit of both, but I definitely have to put myself out there or um, experience things that, that I probably normally wouldn't put myself in, in right. that position. Um, but it's only helped me to grow and feel more, more confident and um, feel like I can, I feel like I can do anything, you know, like I, I feel like um, if, if there's something that I want to achieve, if there's something that anyone wants to achieve, you know, there's um, 
of course there there are there are situations where you can't <laughs> but um but I do think there's there's a lot of opportunities um for people if you kind of reframe things or think of things a little bit differently um and you know maybe even let go of some expectations of how you thought things might look and, right. and allow that to continue to be reframed um because they're you know, I expected to be able to, you know, sit down and have a lease and all that kind of stuff, but that's not going to be able to happen for, for months now because, of, you know, of, of the visa stuff. And so there, there are lots of little moments of having to kind of pivot and be like, okay, I, this is my new reality. And I, and I understand that I'm okay with that. And I'm happy with that rather than sticking to the idea that I had in my head. At, at right. The beginning. And, and by the way, just as an aside, is it mostly Airbnbs? Is that mostly how you've been doing it? Yep. Yep. Airbnbs. A, a lot of times in New York, trying to tell my wonderful New York and LA friends who will let me come in and stay with them um, right. a lot of the time. So when I, when I have places where I've, I've got a good network, um, you know, that I can, I can stay there, but um, right. yeah, that's it's a lot of Airbnbs. Right. But that's been working. <laughs> that's good to know. I just wanted yeah. to know if like, that's still the site that people go to, or if there's some other really cool others. nomad site that, you know, is very underground, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just so curious about all of it. All right. Before I let you go, since you're in another time zone um, and maybe sleep is, is beckoning. Is there a little <laughs> known fact about you that you can share? Oh, yes. I was thinking about this. I was like, Oh, what, what, what should I share? What could it be? Um, <laughs> let's see. So I, a uh, little known fact about me is that I can, I, throughout my whole life, I've like hyper fixated on meals sometimes. And so, um, like I remember in, um, in middle school, I would have like a Trader Joe's Caesar salad every single day for like months at a time, or in high school, I'd have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for months at a time. And, um, so my little known (laughs) fact is that in quarantine for three to six months, I think, I'm not sure how long, um, I ate cauliflower every single day for lunch every single day edit the exact same way so um that's my, my little note all right well just as as a period on the sentence was it steamed was it roasted <laughs> just what was was it trader joe's cauliflower was it your own it was i would get a whole my mom would get a whole head of cauliflower for me god bless her and um I, the fridge would just be stacked with them for the week so i could have them and i would you know I put olive oil and, and seasonings and stuff roast in the oven until it's like nearly burnt and then um and then eat it and that'd be my lunch every day it, All was, right, well, it please, was a weird time <laughs> we'll post we'll post the recipe um I love that oh. I love one food fixations I totally relate to it when you find something that here's the thing if you find something that works stick with it until it's right. not working anymore that absolutely I I totally understand that um Michaela Brewster I adore you. I am so lucky to have had this time with you and I can't wait to have the next conversation on where is Michaela Brewster. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has Thank been you absolute for everything. Honor. I adore oh, you. I adore you. Thank you. Bye, sweetie. Bye. One more thing. I keep getting emails asking how to donate to the podcast. First of all, thank you in advance. You are the kindest humans. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. That is where you donate. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.
episode of Little Known Facts was edited by Nicholas Klar. We record in New York City. The Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded and sung by Georgia Famusa with backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.